Hello and welcome to Dispatches from the Communal Bathroom. I'm Chris Delamere. I'm Sam Bradley. (laughs) Nice radio delay there, Sam. Thanks, thanks, Chris, thanks. Uh, Well, welcome to season two of Dispatches (laughs) from the Communal Bathroom. Season two, but episode 15. We're not changing our episode count. That was a rule we came up with. Yeah, mostly because I can't be bothered to... Yeah, Think it means re- where the restructuring, yeah, restructuring the SoundCloud page. We can't be asked for doing that again. Anyway, so uh, here we are <laughs> for the first time uh, across the continent. Uh, me in Chapeltown, South Yorkshire, and Sam in French, French, France. I am at... Uh, where even am I? <laughs> I always forget where we are. I'm just up the mountain from a village called Chinaillon. Uh, which is in the ski resort of Le Grand Bonnard, which is in Haute Savoy. Oh, uh, wow. In southern Alpine France. That's a lot of things. That's a lot of places. It's much like <laughs> your mailing address now, which is the most, the longest, most insane postal address I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, but it's it's because it's just naming ever so slightly smaller villages that are ever <laughs> so slightly closer. It's like, okay, you're in this little tiny one that's near this other kind of tiny one that's near this other slightly bigger one that's near this actual town. So this is very exciting. Yeah, this is very exciting. I am currently in the stable uh, next to the chalet where we have been working. Like the little Lord Jesus, yeah. who is who is not far upon us. It's the 21st of December. It uh, is. Happy solstice, Chris. Oh, right. Yeah. Don't celebrate <laughs> that pagan shit. I'm, I'm waiting until Christmas Day, until the promised infant born comes again. Yeah, yeah. So we're experimenting with quite a varied amount of technologies, so it's it's almost guaranteed that something is going to go wrong. Like, the fact I that mean, this is even ha- working at all is kind of remarkable. I'm, I'm very happy with it so far. <laughs> yeah. I feel like both of our computers are really right, teetering on the <laughs> yeah, edge. They're definitely. fizzing. They're fizzing, like the fans going, like full to the metal. <laughs> I can hear it's going to be by the end. It's just going to be a buzz yeah. of our computers dying. Uh, so because we've got Skype on the go, we've got this crazy new thing called Zencaster, and we've got our dispatches to play on each of our computers from either side of the universe. Well, not the universe, different parts <laughs> of Europe. You know, we're not that far away. <laughs> but yeah, and, you know. This is a brave new world, season two. Definitely. Um, how is it over there in France, Sam? It's uh, oh, it's actually kind of, it's not as good <laughs> as you might have wanted it to be. <laughs> no, it's actually right. it's it's very picturesque here. But the problem is that obviously we are in the middle of a ski resort. Our first guests arrived yesterday, and they were hoping for a nice wintry Christmas, lots of snow, lots of skiing, all that good stuff. But it snowed about two weeks ago and then since then it's been blue skies and 10 degree weather so all the snow has just been melting and melting and melting and so everything just looks a bit brown at the moment and there's people it was just raining today it was like it was like england but up a mountain so (laughs) so the so the whole point that people go there for their christmas holidays for the guaranteed white christmas exactly uh, might not be happening so you're gonna have some very unhappy chalet guests on your hands and on your feet uh, did you have a story? I'm sure you said you had a story about oh. your life over there. What has actually happened is that Chris and I were meant to record two days ago, but I had to text him because we were out and I said, oh, I don't know how likely it is to, that we'll be able to record later because we're on the wrong side of skidoo trouble. 
Uh, for the record, I didn't. I've n- no idea what you're talking about when you say skidoo. <laughs> a snowmobile. You know, one uh, of those things you ride around on the snow. Uh, no. <laughs> Just no. Google it. I don't uh, know. Anything. A well, lot of yeah. the story is not going to yeah, make sense Google. if you don't know what I'm talking about. All right, about. so uh, googling skidoo. <laughs> oh, it's one of those snowmobiles. Carry on with your story, Sam. Yeah. So basically, because we are literally halfway up the mountain. It's probably about a kilometre to the nearest road. The problem is that between us here and the road is actual piste that people ski down. And uh, the only way to get from the road to here is using the skidoo. Right. <laughs> Does any of this make sense to you? No, I I'm, I'm, I'm following so far, I think. Go on. Okay, so we need to get fruit and veg uh, every week delivered uh, for our guests. So the fruit and veg gets dropped off at the skidoo point, which is uh, next to the road. And then Hamish, who's here, would drive the skidoo down there and pick up the fruit and then drive back in theory. However, on Saturday morning, he left in order to go and fetch the fruit and veg. However, the local slalom ski team had been spraying the snow on the piste with water in order for it to freeze and create a nice, super fast, icy layer on the top. So okay. basically, basically as, he, as he was driving the skidoo down, it, it's actually quite a pretty steep slope. It basically lost any braking power. <laughs> so oh, he was just riding the skidoo down, sort of skidding down the slope, and had to just drive it into some nearby grass in order to stop it. <laughs> then he carried all the fruit and veg next to the skidoo and just left it all, the, all day. And then we went out. Well, he just he abandoned the skidoo down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we All went right. down to meet him at the car because we were going shopping for some other stuff. But anyway, so then we came back later and it was dark and we'd been shopping all day and we had a car full of all kinds of crazy crap like glass and champagne and all that stuff. So we had to put all them... You know, we have to put all these things in a skidoo and drive it up an icy piece at this point. And uh, yeah, it turned into basically a fiasco of three of us running around on the piste, slipping all over on the ice, fruit going everywhere, dropping fruit <laughs> down the slopes. And then obviously we couldn't leave any fruit behind, So and it was dark, and then he was basically <laughs> skidooing up, and then some things fell off. It was quite an adventure. I like to think that it was exclusively round fruit. Those, like, watermelons <laughs> and oranges just falling down the hill. I mean, literally, yeah, that's what happened. Now, quick, not pop quiz, but um, guessing game. Now, we had a box with 128 eggs in it. How many eggs do you think were broken in this fiasco? Uh, 124. (laughs) No, just two. We only broke two eggs, exactly. We got back and we we opened the box of eggs and we're like, we've only broken two. I completely assumed the answer was going to be either all of them or hilariously close to all of them. So like four left. <laughs> like one one omelets. No, it's worth a bloody left. good job. <laughs> no, it's a amazing. good job, it wasn't. I think I've always thought the idea that you've got to be dead sensitive with your eggs you know, when you're packing your bags and stuff at the supermarket. I've always thought that's been very much overstated. <laughs> We've created a culture of fear about eggs. Yeah, you've got but to I'm check sure, that there. I'm sure in, uh, you know, when you're on the frozen piece, it is probably pretty, <laughs> a pretty big concern. Don't smash your eggs on the piece. Yeah, especially because otherwise we have to drive the skidoo down again, drive the calf, get more eggs, drive it all the way back. Is this a silent film like uh, Keystone Cops <laughs> or something? Like the <laughs> endless, 
endless scrambled raw eggs on the frozen yeah. piece back and forth. And every time you spill the eggs, you're just creating more lubricant. <laughs> it just gets slippery and slipper. It gets worse and worse. And then someone kicks someone else in the butt. Okay, uh, second question, Chris. Go on. What fruit or vegetable do you think would travel the fastest down a steep icy ski piste? What an excellent question. This uh, is a question I now know the answer to. And now it's gotta be one of the round fruits. Uh but also I imagine one of the heavier round fruits. Right. So maybe like a, a grapefruit or a watermelon. Do you get them round those parts? I don't know. We don't actually have grapefruits and watermelons. It was There was a lot of oranges and clementines, that kind of thing. But you're wrong because the actual answer is a cucumber. Bullshit. No, because a cucumber <laughs> is ski-shaped. It, they just sort of angled themselves straight down and just went oh, like it a went bloody rocket. Down, yeah. than, oh, okay. So yeah, pretty exciting stuff. Now, uh... Hello bathers, welcome to Dispatches from the Communal Bathroom. This is a podcast where we bring dispatches that we make during our lives and we we fold them neatly onto the towel dryer. <laughs> I can't oh, it doesn't matter, it doesn't fucking matter. We bring <laughs> ideas in, we play them out and we go, oh that was good, oh that was alright. And then, and then we go on with so, the rest of our so- lives, Sam. <laughs> like everybody else. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Let's not try and think of a funny way of introducing it every time. It's not worth it. The hassle. You come in, you put the ideas in the bath, and then you take the plug out. You see, I'm already I'm trying to do one and I hate it. I hate doing it. It's a brave new world now, season two. Okay, mainstream. Okay. Mainstream oh, yeah, snap, this... snappy episodes. We did have a, a meeting, a production meeting about this. We're making significant losses making this podcast. So oh, we're yeah. trying to make it a bit more mainstream, uh, get a bit more of a general audience in. I don't know if you're selling out a little bit, Chris. Are you selling out this week? I've got. I'm selling out uh, a little bit. Well, we'll wait and see. We'll find we'll wait out. And see. I will say, <laughs> we're saying we're going to go short, snappy, mainstream. We have spoken for twenty minutes <laughs> about a scrambled egg, frozen paste, <laughs> and the skidoo of doom. <laughs> so yep. you know, let's see how well this goes. <laughs> All right. Well. Oh, John the Duck is not in my hands. Carried yeah. on from last week, he's gone. Have you heard? Have you heard anything? From I've heard him? nothing. Nothing. Nope, not me neither. Not a not a peep. Tell you what, not missing him. Oh really? Not yet. I'm sure Christmas Day I'll get a little pang. Yeah. You know, when all the fam, when he should be with family, shouldn't you? But uh, not the word. Not after what he said, actually. Yeah, he did. So he did say some pretty serious things. So anyway, come on, anyway, let's move yeah, on yeah. with the show because we need to get going on this. <laughs> <laughs> snappy snappy mainstream <laughs> <laughs> so my first dispatch is uh very much taken from around my surroundings here what i did was i noticed quite soon on when i arrived here is that a lot it basically sounds amazing here because there's just nothing there's nothing around so everything's just like super crisp and when it was colder and like there was more snow it just sort of absorbs the sound and everything sounds great there's also a lot of bells around the chalet and stuff so I went around with the with my uh, dictaphone and recorded some sounds around the chalet and uh, collected them together and have attempted to use them to make some kind of strange song. Yeah, that's basically all it is. It's, it's kind of an experiment in uh, using all the sounds that are around the chalet. So hopefully this gives you a good sort of audio version of what it's like around here. And this is La Firme Beat.
Shit, that bell goes on for a long time. I know so that, that was a la, la ferme beat. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the bell is just it's just a bell at the front of the chalet, and I was like, oh, what's this bell? And I rang it. I was like, whoa, that sounds amazing. You do get a sense of the like the mountains in a way. Like it feels like it'd be a really satisfying place to slam the door into the cold yeah, dead the, air. All the doors sound amazing. <laughs> all the doors sound great. Your footsteps sound great. Like there's all there sorts of go. things that make clunking that's and never, noises. That's never in the brochure though, is it, for the chalet? Like, you know, <laughs> imagine the family arguments you can have at this ski chalet. Yeah, because it's just wood on wood. It's heavy wood on heavy wood and you just slam. It's great. You'll just be starting arguments on purpose just for the <laughs> just slam. Just so you can slam your just way so out. Just so you can do the slam. Is the bells like a, is that a traditional thing that they have over there and it was a way of communicating from a, a, a more folkier time? I'm not sure. In the chalet, there's a cowbell. There's a bell that we have for ringing next to dinner. But the one on the front has a lot of, like, Jesus stuff on it. So I'm thinking it might be kind of a Jesus thing. But I'm not really sure. I just imagine it's like a ridiculous doorbell. (laughs) Yeah. I thought it was like calling you in for dinner. You're like, if you're on the piste, you go, come on. Yeah, actually, if you're out with the cows, you know. Yeah, that uh, must be it. Yeah. I also really like the sound of uh, the snow. I've always really liked the sound of snow. You know when snow, when snow on snow and snow on snow on snow. So you know when you get the soft snow and then it gets compacted, then you get ice on top. Yeah. And it sort of sounds like it sounds like you're standing on like dying toads and breaking Kit Kats <laughs> underfoot. Do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's compact, like you can hear a sound going on underneath the actual layer that you're on. Yeah. Like dying underneath. Sally and I went snowshoeing as well one of the first days we were here and that sounded amazing. I didn't have my recorder, which was actually, I think that's what gave me the idea to do this whole thing. So I didn't actually record it, but it sounded so good. And especially when you were walking like at the same time, it was like, (coughs) 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 it's just great. Sounds great. Best part of snowshoeing. (laughs) <laughs> I really like that. It got into a groove towards the end and it leads very neatly oh. into my next dispatch. So mine was actually originally informed by Mr. Producer Paul Sobek's uh, dispatch from our season finale last week, basically. Yeah. Uh, and it was a drone Yeah. called Jeff in India. And I wanted to make a drone based on everyday noises. Which oh. is weirdly kind of what you've done. Yeah. Uh, and so I took I took a couple of recordings of a couple of things, which I'll tell you uh, tell you about after. So I took them as the base of of what I was working with. And then I embellished them on with uh, some weird instruments and uh, voices. Uh, and it's called, it's maybe the best part of the dispatch is the <laughs> title. The title is called Only the Drone Dum 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 dummy do uh knows why I die. <laughs> um Yeah, so let's listen to that one, Sam.
so we're appealing for this new mainstream audience in season two. <laughs> That's right, Sam. That's right. Really going for it. Uh, well, I thought, you know, everyone else has had this opportunity to do some really, really weird stuff. We get submitted. We seem to mostly, like, exclusively our outside submissions have been weird, ambient, or trippy crap. Yeah. And I thought I'd get involved with that. So, yeah, it's your turn. The two things that I recorded was... um. I was on the bus up Barnsley Road, which is in Sheffield, and these buses in Sheffield are dog shit. So, like, when they're juddering up a hill, like, everything inside it shakes, all the plastic and the glass, and you get... So I just recorded that. I was like, oh, that's an everyday drone. I'll take that everyday drone and make something out of it. And then uh, I heard um, (laughs) there was a... There's, like, um, an electric uh, lit-up tiny Christmas tree in my office at work you know that yeah, kind of yeah, like fi- yeah. fiber optic yeah. ends of the branches are lit up but in order for it to do that it has to make this most horrendous noise the generator on this tiny little tree is insane like the amount of peace and joy that that brings is fuck all anyway so i recorded that and that became the basis of it, which it drops down to occasionally in that in that little piece. You can hear just the bus and that Christmas tree electric generator. Yeah. Uh, but then obviously I went a bit fucking nuts and did all that other stuff over the top. <laughs> I feel like it had a sweet spot in the middle where everything just kind of droned together. And I was like, mm. I got into that. I got into Paul's mind frame there where you're like, oh, yeah. Well, it ended up not really being a drone. Yeah, uh, was the problem. I also cut two pieces together, so those all those little that was like another idea, and I just spliced it into it. You could make it four times longer, probably, and just like drone out. Have each because it had sections, right? So you could just probably quadruple or octuple all the sections, and you'd have a proper drone. But it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Like. The, the vibe, the very crisp vibe of your life up there in the healthy mountains where you go skiing every day. Uh, and then the drudgery of the bus on Barnsley Road, which is my life. And that creates that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was a nice contrast, actually. Nice Do you know what I mean? How, is that, how does that happen? That happens all the time. We accidentally Amazing. make sort of the same thing. This is why we make a <laughs> podcast together, Sam. Come to the bathroom. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Sam, our next dispatch is from an outside source. And this is a very outside source. Uh, oh, really? Laura Sullivan. Laura uh, Sullivan? Yeah, you don't know her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, normally I kind of know the people who no, send no, no. us stuff. Uh, Laura Sullivan is an adult human from Australia uh, who I've been in contact with on Instagram. Uh, she has like right. this unusual interest uh, that has turned into a hobby, that has turned into a project, that has turned eventually into a book. Uh, and it's uh, a project that I kind of have a passing interest in. Uh, and so uh, seeing the kind of stuff that she did on Instagram, I I contacted her and said, would you like to do any like a little piece for my show that I do? Because I think that's kind of cool. I like what you you're doing there. So this project that Laura has pursued, she's been doing for 10 years and she's been doing it in locations as far afield as New York and Toronto and her own native city of Sydney. Now this hobby costs no money to pursue. 
and it brings you in contact with moments in the lives of strangers without ever having actually met them. Uh, so what what do you think it is? <laughs> I have I just have no idea. Are you making this up? Is this one of these things that you just no, no, made no, up? No, 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 no. It's not like the John the Duck backstory. <laughs> no, that was true. That was true. Sorry, no, I didn't say that. I didn't mean that. No, no, no. This is um. Wow, amazing! I genuinely, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, I've been in contact with Laura for um a while about this, and we've talked about this subject quite a lot as well. And basically, what it is is found notes. Oh yeah, Laura oh, loves you love collecting those. found notes on the floor. So in this dispatch, Laura talks to us about her favourite found notes that she's found uh, throughout her 10 years of collecting them, and she explains why she loves them so much. So this is Found by Laura. I've been collecting notes off the ground for 10 years now. It started back in 2005. I was just walking through my local supermarket and I saw this like bright orange sticky note on the ground. And so I felt compelled to pick it up. And on one side, it just said very everyday shopping list, barbecue chicken, rice, salad, etc. Then on the other side, it said Andrew-drug and alcohol appointment, 1st of Feb. And I immediately was intrigued by the fact that this note had two sides to it. One, which is the mundane every day, and the other being the flip side, which was the intimate part of someone's life. And it made me think, who wrote this note? Is it Andrew's mum or dad or wife? Is he okay? It became so apparent to me that this is much bigger than just a shopping list. We literally walk over and, you know, just don't see these notes on the ground, but if we just took time to see them, we'd realise they're actually quite intimate parts of people's lives that are quite can be quite sad but also quite beautiful or funny and, you know, they're all an array of what life really is. Because I'm working on a book and the exhibition at the moment, I have them all in individually sealed in Ziploc bags. So I'm like some crazy person who has like 150 notes from different people sitting around my lounge room. I found notes ripped to pieces and they tell a story because if the paper has been all scrunched up, there's a reason. Letters from kids to their parents, which are really adorable. One actually in Spanish. So I got my friend to um, translate it for me and it says something like, to mummy, I love you more than you love me because I love you to infinity. And then it's all these kisses and hugs and it's very precious. There is one I found a couple of years ago down my street where I used to live in Glebe, and it's a note between two flatmates. Oh, well, let me just grab it and I'll read it out to you. Interesting. All right, so this is a note to Shiho from Bella. There's a little bit of broken English here, but um, you should understand what it says. Shiho, I'm sorry this time, but I didn't have any intention to touch your stuff until now and I didn't use yours last time. I ate your chicken, but Jimmy and Julia just said that, Bella, you can eat the chicken in the fridge. So I just ate. I didn't know that there were two cases of chicken and I already apologise you. I'm sorry, the towel. It's my fault. The towel was very dirty, so I washed one. I'll put a dirty towel in the bathroom and never touch again. I'm sorry that your feeling is so bad. And a black skirt is also my fault. 
but I don't know how a black long sleeve one piece looks like and I can't even wear your clothes because your clothes is too small for me. I said again, very, very sorry. I'll care every moment not to give you bad feeling. Thanks, Bella. Now, I think that's quite funny. It's like, I don't know if anyone's flattered with people before, but it can get tense at times. So the eating of the chicken and like the borrowing of the towel and the dress and this, obviously she is a bit pissed off. Probably the funniest thing in here is that Bella says, look, I'll put a dirty towel back and I'll never touch again. And it sounds really passive aggressive. I think she's genuinely feels really bad. So she's saying anything to be like, I won't do anything wrong. You know, like I even put a dirty towel back and I think it just comes across as possibly passive aggressive, but it's not. Back in 2005, when I first started finding these notes, um, I was walking across Piermont Bridge, which is from work to the, to the train station in the city. And um, it's a fairly long bridge, goes over Darling Harbour. And it's this peak hour, it's like five o'clock or whatever, just after five and there's all everyone rushing back and forth. And I'm walking along and I see this sticky note on the ground. I pick it up and in really great, what I think is female sort of bubble writing, it says, do me slowly. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck, that's so funny. Um, and it's on a, a Foodworks sticky note. So it's a company called Foodworks. And I'm just like, that's funny, you know random food works sticky note and someone's written do me slowly on it and I'm kind of like looking around thinking all these people like I don't know hundreds of people like have no idea what I just stumbled across quite funny so I walk on like 200 meters across the bridge going up some stairs and as you can imagine like in peak hour like right in the city when you're going up flight of stairs there's people coming up and people coming down and it's all very squishy and I'm just walking upstairs and I see another note on the ground. I'm like, oh, piece of paper, pick it up. And I stop in mid-flight in the middle of these stairs and people are kind of like bumping into me. And I have my big bag across my um, shoulders and I go to bend down to pick up this note and my bag falls to the ground. It's like around my feet. And like if I move, I'm just going to like fall backwards on these stairs. So I'm sort of stuck with the bag, my bag around my feet and I bend down. I pick up the note and I see the note is another Foodworks sticky note. And I'm like, what the? And, um, and I read it and it says, you would look good on me. And I was like, damn, this is funny. Like this is the two, same, same handwriting. So I found two notes, same person, same writer, like far apart from each other, one end of the bridge. And with all these masses of people walking past and I was like, man, no one knows what I've just found right now. So there's like a double score. It's one of my favourites. It's quite funny. Um, just quickly, some other favourite ones of mine. When I was living in Canada, I was on the way to see a free documentary on Joan Baez. It's part of the Toronto International Film Festival. And she happened to be playing live after that, which was a bonus. But Anyway, on the way to this little outdoor theatre, on the ground, this tiny sticky note, and it's kind of a bright, like, yellow colour, and um, on it, written in this really nice, neat writing, it says, he's totally gay. Check out the eyebrows. <laughs> I love it. It's just funny. I just picture, like, someone, some girl, written that to her friend, like, in class or something. That's about it, really. I, I continue to find them. I'll continue this for the rest of my life, really. I can't stop. <laughs> I genuinely and sincerely love every single one of these and the people who've written them. And, um, and I would love for everybody else to see what I see in them. And 
Let's hope I find many, many more. Uh, so that was Laura with her found notes. And Laura has a exhibition in April in Sydney. If any of our uh, bathers are in the area, they can go and see that. I, I hope I hope by April we will have uh, quite a groundswell of support in uh, in the Sydney area. Yeah. Um, and also, she does have a book in the works, apparently. So that's something to look out for. Uh, you can find her um, notes. She takes like photos of them and puts them on her Instagram uh, feed, which is at found by Laura. And she also has a Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Laura's Street Finds. <laughs> Look her up on there. Yeah, There's amazing. some really cool stuff on there. And like uh, we were saying just before we played that, I have, um, I have kept a small kind of collection myself. I did throw away a whole bunch before. Because I felt really weird holding on to people's <laughs> lives and stuff. And me and Laura talked about that, and it is weird. I think you sort of introduced me to this. I found a couple, but they were always quite benign, like call someone or like Kathy called or something like that. Well, that's the thing. The, so I do have a small collection. The types that I have found fall into uh, a couple of groups. There is, and I've got them right here. <laughs> <laughs> there is... Um, shopping lists yeah yeah of course <laughs> so most the of them are going to be shopping that was the lists. thing i was saying to laurie you know most things that are written down uh you know cursive <laughs> handwriting a shopping list that's the only thing that people bother to write with yeah their, shopping their lists and to-do lists and reminders to call people <laughs> and passionate poetry um, what? So have, <laughs> no. you know so so uh, well, let I mean, me take yeah, you through but... them so i've got sh- shopping lists there's a handful of shopping lists here i've got uh homework people's for like forgotten homework there's uh some like year nine spanish homework <laughs> we've got here that's like it has no insight into anything and then i also have um some homework dated the 7th of october uh no year on it so it could be any year but i think it's this year it's like uh i think it's an adult learning english as a foreign language because it's in like really disjointed like clumsy uh, printed handwriting and all the marking is in so there's like ticks but then there's also comments in urdu or arabic or something oh wow like a script i cannot understand at all yeah and it's all like um trying to get it, get the handle of tenses so it's what's the matter is the question i have got uh, a a strain in my back b a strained back C straining back, <laughs> and they tick. They tick B, which was right. They have got a strained back. Uh, I have got a A twisted wrist. B sprain wrist. C sprained. Ri- I mean, a twisted or sprain could be right there. Anyway, uh, what else do I have? There's a little note I have on an envelope that is just. Oh, by the way, the keys in the ashtray for a neighbour. Like if they're coming in to feed the cat. <laughs> <laughs> And as I was saying, so it's either shopping lists or passionate poetry. Now, I found this note after having started my conversations with uh, Laura via email, and we went through this note together. It seems like a a sort of love poem uh, about someone who was anticipating a romance for a long time. Uh, And having now had like a little glimpse of this, this long awaited romance, they found it had a few difficulties and there was more to it than they thought at first, but they were still prepared to commit everything to it. And there was a line in there that I thought was just insanely committed. That was another thing. So like, 
the it's it was written on a yellowing piece of notepad paper and the handwriting was fucking awful like that's an, <laughs> that's like another thing of these notes like you can't read them half the time it's like do you remember when you were a kid and you used to read like your mum and dad's like yeah, notes yeah, and yeah. stuff and you go it's like another language it's like you and we, the older you got the more you could decipher it but Anyway, so we were like discussing, me and Laura were discussing, you know, what is this? What's this say? And there was a line I thought that it said, which was, my womb, an extension of all I'm intending. My womb, an extension of all I'm intending. So we thought it was a female writer talking about how committed they were to this this guy or girl. Uh, but then Laura was like, oh, no, that could be just vows. My vows, an extension of all I'm intending, which makes way more sense, but... <laughs> I think it's weird that you just get these um you can interpret them whatever, you know? Yeah. I always think like shopping lists and poems are like the things that you have on yeah. written. I always imagine like what if you got them like mixed up? <laughs> <laughs> Your shopping list accidentally rhymes. So someone's yeah. like, Well, oh, this is good poetry. Or, yeah, or like or uh, you know, if you kinda like started off doing a poem and then it kind of <laughs> ran into like a list of stuff yeah so yeah. it's like your love your love is as fragile as a freshly picked flower in spring onions ham scotch <laughs> egg and four cans of skull the sight of you makes my heart single cream uh, crab sticks beans corn <laughs> turkish delight cling film custard weird shopping list this uh <laughs> And your voice runs through me like a sparkling white wine, cocoa pops, goose fat, poppadoms, and chicken nuggets. And if you ever did leave me, I would surely die at... <laughs> so I found one more. This is, this is my other type of note that I have, which isn't a handwritten note. But we're talking about how revealing things like shopping lists might be, actually. Because you can see something in someone's personality from a shopping list. Yeah. This is kind of a shopping list that is a reflection of an entire nation's kind of uh, habits. And it was a uh, an invoice from an uh, alcoholic beverage distribution <laughs> company for a pub <laughs> that I found in Rivlin Valley in Sheffield. I was telling you, like, you know... Let me let me read you some of the more poetic lines <laughs> from it. Uh, um, you know, this is a real insight into this the is soul just someone of else's the nation. Post. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Bell's eight-year whiskey, twenty CL, forty percent, forty-two bottles. That's, quite <laughs> That's a, a lot. lot isn't it? That's a, lot, That's of a lot of bottles. So, what does that tell you about the lives being lived in this pub? Uh, Bulmer's yeah. Zesty Orange uh, just one of those that can't be right why would they just get one yeah god how much whiskey did they get then I know right that's, so there you go that's that's just a few of the notes that I found obviously I mean Laura's been picking them up for 10 years so she's found some corkers amazing thanks to Laura for sending us a dispatch I hope she listens she's very oh, interesting yeah, I think she will do very interesting but that's amazing it's so like not only are we talking from country to country here, we're getting th this genuinely is from the other side of the world. Yeah, yeah. We've that's amazing. That's that's, that's really very cool, interesting. Right? Everything about that is amazing. I know I will send an email. Let's move on to our 
next dispatch. Uh, it's mine next. And this was just a very quick thing that I made. I was talking to the old uh, Brad Francisco there. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> you already know there's trouble ahead. Uh, so I said, hey, just give me a, give me a random subject. I'm, I'm struggling for something to do for the show. Just give me a random subject and I'll make whatever with it. So him being uh, Brad Francisco, yeah. he, came, he came back with rust. Just the word rust. Just the word rust. Fantastic. All right. Typical. <laughs> Maths in the dark. Like, uh, uh, rust. You probably said it like an essay, like, oh, I'm really having trouble. And then he just came back with one word. <laughs> you like, uh, okay, rust. Fine. Well, no, I kind of wanted that. But like, I wanted something a bit broad, like, <laughs> decay. <laughs> That's what Anyway, so this is a short poem called Rust. Rust. The sight of a crust. Of this thing we call rust Just makes me spit with disgust The way it reflects society's neglect And nobody seems that fussed Urban decay recalling a day Before the whole town went bust I can't abide iron oxide As I trust by now you'll have sussed Very nice was it? Yeah. I thought it was shit. <laughs> like, that is, but that's the th- part of uh, a show we never do. Let's get the ideas and give them a wash and see if we can make them look any better. I made yeah, that but it and was... I was just like, that's kind of crap. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of obvious in every way. Yeah, but, you know, it's, it seems like one of those short poems you'd have in your GCSE poem omnibus. Yeah, they would be like, like a, "What do you think about this poem?" It's like, "Oh well, I think it's about society's decay." It's like, "Of course it is. <laughs> it's the most <laughs> obvious poem that there is." Where the metaphor isn't a metaphor; it's, no, just, it's just telling just, you just what it's you. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like it sounds like That's something Mike, Michael Rosen will have tossed off in about twenty seconds. <laughs> or um, yeah. yeah, Simon Armitage. Actually, I'm sure Simon Armitage is a very accomplished poet, but uh, I only remember his picture from that book. <laughs> remember Stop any it. of the poems <laughs> don't get into the hype since jocks of the simon armitage finger beard yeah thrust your middle finger under your nose clamp your thumb on your chin and your index finger going straight up like a lone side burn and you've got the simon armitage finger beard well, going from one thing that was a bit crap and throwaway to another. <laughs> Basically, last time uh, we found there was a revelation in my life that came from MC Chris that there is a program that is called Songsmith, developed by <gasps> Microsoft many years ago. Yeah. So I decided to find out what Songsmith was about, and I've created a Songsmith song. This is a song called Resolutions Number no. 3. Um, <laughs> it's about New Year's resolutions, because the new year is coming up. And uh, it's the third one that I made, and it was the only one that was listenable. And uh, I also thought it sounded a bit like Revolution Number no. 9, so I thought I'd keep it uh, like that. You could have just called it Resolutions Number no. 9. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, it was the third one, Can we Chris. just change it? Can we change it? Like, right. you know, let's watch this idea. Okay, let's call let's... it resolution number nine. I'm renaming it in the drive. No, I'm right, just calling then. it resolutions nine. There we go.
Job done. Resolutions number nine. <laughs> Just put the N-O dot and then nine. I don't want to tell you how to format it, but that is how it is written on the single of... It's not a single, is it? It was uh, in the White Album. It was an album track. So um, this is a song that <laughs> I made in exactly the amount of time that it takes to listen to it, and it's called Resolutions Number Nine. Chris, I've been thinking a lot about you. great think of you on the open road yeah learning to drive driving a car Is there a conspiracy going on? No. I've had I've had you chirping from one end, Daniel in the other ear, and I I feel like there's a lot of pressure going on with me having to to learn to drive. I I, I get it with Daniel because he drives about... me around a lot of places. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we're just trying to persuade you to do a thing. No, what it, I think I had this idea a while ago and I sort of mentioned it to Daniel. So perhaps that's why he's, he's also had the idea. And then I was like, the only way I'm going to pressure Chris into doing a thing is by making a song about it. So there you go. <laughs> You'll be surprised how little that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that you got the, uh, the songsmith thing as well, because I obviously... So when we heard that MC Chris thing there, uh, last episode, like me, you, and Mario, just like, yep, yep, getting that. <laughs> yeah. we're gonna get that, download that tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, obviously, I did do that, and I made a whole album, like uh, you know, sort of in the style <laughs> of, of MC Chris. Like I was influenced by um, MC Chris there, and I thought I'll just take a subject and I'll try and make a whole album about it. I haven't submitted any of them for the show because I just didn't <laughs> think it was good enough because. I felt like I was living in MC Chris's shadow. This is the but funny thing when I was trying to make them, is I was I like... Could hear, I could hear you doing an MC Chris impression my, a little bit. Mine, a... they're always worse <laughs> than his. It's like, he's like he mastered the art of Songsmith, and I'm just trying to keep up. You know what it is? I think it's dog shit equipment. <laughs> I think it's two pound webcam. That really made like the, yeah. the vocal quality was something else. Yeah, I shouldn't so, have plugged in my microphone and everything. It's just a waste of time, <laughs> yeah. really. Just shout into your laptop, yeah. yeah. 
so the uh, the concept album that I made was called Marital Strife, and it was all trying to be like a little slice of life. Only I used up the entire six hours of my songsmith oh, trial. Oh no! Oh no! Chris. By accidentally leaving it on, so I've got all these saved files, but I can't get onto them to play them out in order to record them over onto Audacity. Oh no! Uh, so they might be lost. <laughs> um, <laughs> But the track listing is, um, number one is A Little Bit of Affection. Track number two is called Cup of Tea. I think it was just about, you know, you know it's not always about uh, sex and lust. Just make a cup of tea for your uh, lover every now and again. Three was, uh, did you put the bin out? <laughs> Didn't mean to say anything rude about the food. I don't think we should send him to university. <laughs> I really hate you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm leaving you, open parentheses, not leaving you anymore, close parentheses. The next one was, let me hear you say something. Oh. The next one was, Uncle Mark's racist remark. <laughs> uh, and the last song was called, what do you mean we're going to your mother's for Christmas this year? Fabulous. Yeah. Great. Well, that's <laughs> the thing about Songsmith, you just make it move on. <laughs> It's my turn again. Uh, yeah, no, no, John. So I don't know. I don't know what we would do with these bits. What did we used to do before John? Can't remember it. B I BJ. Don't remember a time B before BJ. Then, <laughs> what? BJ without AJ after before John. All <laughs> oh, right. Okay. <laughs> you have to explain the basis of the context of these <laughs> jokes before you laugh at them. In my earlier story at the start of the podcast, I described a man driving a skidoo now this man is a man called hamish and this next part is an interview that i did with him earlier today actually hamish is uh not only my stable mate he is also uh technically my boss and uh skidoo pilot i suppose most of the time uh yeah so hey hamish is a guy that we're living with and working with but when he's not here you know chalet hosting he has a very very interesting job in the summer where he is an animal trainer for Hollywood movies. And he has trained most recently, so this is kind of... This is me selling out a little bit here, Chris, is that we're going to try and get the Star Wars fans on board um, because Star Wars The Force Awakens came out the other day. We're all about to go and see it tomorrow. We're driving to Geneva so we can oh, see it in English. I bet you're psyched. We are psyched. But Hamish may actually be in this movie what the fuck so he uh he trained some animals that are in uh well hopefully in the movie uh obviously he hasn't seen it because we're all going tomorrow um <laughs> so may maybe he's actually in it but uh anyway yeah, he's not that involved as the dog trainer that he gets like a free pass to watch it early no he was quite mad actually that he didn't quite there's like a cut off for how long you have to work on it before you get an invite to the premiere so he was just under that cut off by a really? couple of weeks yeah yeah yeah. there's got to be thousands of people though involved in that that's only yeah, got to yeah. be a, yeah, anyway yeah. a select few that gets that special treatment anyway that's still that's still got some cachet though yeah yeah that's amazing so i talked to hamish earlier today about uh, a little bit about star wars and a little bit about uh animal training in general for the for the movies so oh, this is so cool a so second sort of thing from someone who has 
just a completely different take on life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that. This is a, an interview with Hamish. With Hamish Secret. Hello, bathers. <laughs> it's normally how we start these things. I'm here with a man. Who are you? <laughs> I am called Hamish. Hamish Secret. And I'm an animal trainer for film and production. Anything with an audience, basically. Hamish and I are up a mountain. <laughs> but the weather's terrible, so we've not gone skiing. And, uh, yeah, so we basically sat in and watched Star Wars. And we're very excited to go and see Star Wars tomorrow. But, interestingly, Hamish has seen some of this already. Mm. Because you are in the new Star Wars movie. <laughs> well, I don't know. Hopefully I'm in the Star Wars movie. But I might have been cut out at the last minute. I was an animal farmer in one of the scenes. Yeah, I think the first scene. The first the scene? I think it's the first scene, yeah. And you see my animals and potentially you see me as well. But, um, we'll find out tomorrow. So, what animals? So we had 15 geese, two alpacas, and we had a couple of poodles. Poodles because we can uh, groom them to be to, to look like other animals because they obviously have such long hair. So basically what we did is we groomed them to look like little mini buffalo. <laughs> with buffalo horns. That was one of the characters we made, and then the other one was um, the alpacas, which were basically dressed up to look like something you've never really seen before. Massive eyes, really long hair, and then my kind of part of it, my main part of it, was the um, was the geese, and the geese wore little goose costumes that had lots of eyes poking out the top, and uh, yeah, we just trained them to kind of all sit around together and look a bit. Like <laughs> so how how do you train a goose? Well, it, training is probably. This wasn't quite a, a training job. It's more so just sort of getting them used to the suits, and you know, it took, doesn't take them long to get used to used to wearing them. How do you get a goose in a suit? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're all they're all hand raised, so they basically just they're very easy to kind of you know get into strange suits. So, <laughs> for some reason, uh, well, not for some reason. The wild, obviously, a wild goose would struggle struggles get in there at all. But um, no, the tame geese they they have a bit more trust for humans. So. So kind of getting used to wearing the suits and then and then getting them to walk around together and eventually they were kind of just in the foreground of a shot sort of running running across screen. So I'm quite excited to see how it looks. <laughs> so were you dressed up as well? I was dressed up like a farmer, yeah. A like, Star Wars farmer. A Star Wars farmer, yeah. <laughs> what what planet be, is it? Yeah, I think you it's say? Tatooine. So no, it was all it was all quite fun. We're, we're sh- night shooting at Pinewood for a couple of weeks. What's it like having geese on a film set? Yeah, it was it was quite challenging, but we ended up having the geese in kind of a purpose-built pen. And then the other times when they were kind of loose, we were just kind of like um, they'll kind of follow you and they can you kind of control their and that sort of their flock movement. Yeah, um, the geese were probably the hardest just because there's so many of them. Fifteen geese in alien suits. So it's a difficult <laughs> thing to manage. So it can be, but generally they're pretty well paid. So is this is this a normal job for you? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I've been doing it for the last ten years. But is putting geese in suits normal? Um. Yeah. Yeah. We do to a lesser extent. We do kind of things like that all the time. For example, like with the cats. I know if you want the cats to look messy, you might like uh, like attach some kind of fake fur to make it look a bit more scrawny. And also, if you have two animals that you need to look exactly the same because one's a double for the other. Yeah. Then you you can make them look the same by painting the um, the fur or like a washout kind of paint. But this was probably the most extreme we've ever done. Geese and seas. We all kind of laughed when we heard it the first time. <laughs> so what what else have you worked on? I started work on the Harry Potter films. That's from the beginning. So that's, that was in my career. So the last four films. Also Game of Thrones. We've been doing that since the beginning as well. 
yeah, quite a few. The Chai and Chocolate Factory. What animals are in that? Squirrels. Oh, yeah. The squirrels, they, they, they chew on the nuts and then throw them behind. Do you trade a squirrel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those squirrels are really, really well trained. I didn't have much to do with it, but, but yeah, we had kind of a squirrel specialist who was working with the squirrels. That was an amazing behaviour to get that, that, that sequence. But yeah, birds is kind of my area. Yeah, owls and Harry Potter. We had a load of owls and Harry Potter. Uh, owls, easy to train. In the no, Harry Potter, actually, they're in like little cages and stuff. Yeah, that takes a lot of training. Basically, just training. It's kind of it's called manning. It's it's a process where you try and get an animal used to something, and it's just through like a lot of rewards. So just so in the beginning, well, it's not that they're scared of the cage, but they just it's just a strange thing for them to be in. Yeah. In the beginning, but then after a while, they just I mean, birds are basically just sit around anyway in trees and stuff. So it's not actually that unnatural for them. It looks like it's actually just to sit on a perch in a cage. Apart from the cage, it's a pretty natural thing for them to do. So just kind of getting used to sitting in there and getting lots of food whilst they do it. But yeah, that's just kind of a time-consuming training process what well, all the owl stuff was because they are not intelligent animals yeah they're very very instinctual so they, they do everything based on instinct yeah they train them to carry letters that was all real oh, that yeah. took that can take up to sort of three or four months you know per owl whereas something like a raven or some birds of prey or you know a dog you can train out in a day it takes an incredibly long time and lots of people thought it's impossible to do <laughs> based on the limited intellect of an owl but the one good thing about owls is that they don't forget so once you do okay. teach them, it takes a long time for them to learn, but they don't forget that behaviour as quickly as something more intelligent that has kind of a quicker mind, maybe. So is there still, like, this flock of owls that know how to carry letters? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in case? Yeah, just in case. Is it like a film company that just has, like, a zoo of trained animals? Kind of. The way a film set works is basically lots of different companies all acting on their own behalf but doing a certain job. So, you know, you'll obviously have your lighting company, you'll have your visual effects, special effects, animal trainers, stunts. Almost all the time, every single film's different combination of companies is different, so in a way every single film is unique in that sense. And we are just one of those departments, if you like, if you like. So that's kind of what we are. And then we have a collection of our own animals that we've trained. So lots of animals have been in lots and lots of different types of films. Was Star Wars a weird shoot? Because obviously it's been shrouded in secrecy. I mean, I've actively avoided finding out anything about it but yeah it seems like it's all been quite secret until the other day when when the film came out i wouldn't have been legally allowed to even talk about it because it's that it's that heavily uh, protected but the other the other franchise which is exactly the same almost is harry potter so uh, actually that's kind of what i got used to that kind of yeah that level of control and level of kind of secrecy but yeah there was quite a few funny things that happened well one day someone came over with a drone filming a set from a, from a high I'm not exactly sure that the details might be an urban legend, but the next time it came over, someone managed to get it down. I don't know how. <laughs> there was uh, there's rumours of a security guard with a shotgun, but I don't <laughs> think that was possible. No, no cameras allowed on set, so you have to take your when you take your your phone on, you have to have a sticker which goes over the camera of the of the phone, and they can see if it's been messed with when you leave, and then if it has been, then you know. You're in trouble. What do you do with the animals after they're trained? It varies with every animal, but if it's something like... I mean, we use a lot of people, like owners' dogs. Yeah. Um, owner, people who have a certain type of dog which are looking for, and we'll contact them and say, can we borrow your dog for, for a day of filming? And so that that dog obviously just goes back to its owner. Some of the animals we sort of borrow from, from zoos or, or even farms, you know. So a lot of the animals we don't, we don't own ourselves. We don't want to own a load of animals that are all sitting around waiting to be trained. But we have a certain sort of core group of animals that get used a lot, which, you know, we can look after. If you have, like, 20 squirrels, what do you do with them? Yeah, so a lot of the squirrels were borrowed, they weren't ours. And then some of the squirrels we still have, which we still use, 
In fact, the same score was used in The Inbetweeners. Seen that scene where... <laughs> I don't know, going... it's like so, like, they're probably little tiny scenes. Yeah, they're going along in a car, and there's a squirrel on the side of the road. And it's there eating a nut, and then they go and they drive, and they, and they drive over it. But yeah, that was one of the um, time chop <laughs> factory squirrels. Uh, if you had, like, aliens, if you had actual alien animals, do you reckon you could train them? <laughs> Interesting question. Um, yeah, I think I could, yeah. I, think I all, suppose that's a... All life has a motivator. All life has to be motivated. If, if life is to exist at all, it has to be motivated to do something, otherwise it wouldn't exist. So, I, so I, that's all training is, really. Finding the motivation of an animal. Most animals are just food, you know, they just yeah. want food. And it's giving that thing as a reward. And if they want that thing, yeah, you would, you would assume that they'd evolve relatively similar to life on Earth. If you're saying you can train any animal, mm. does it apply to humans? <laughs> yeah, it does, yeah. No, but exactly, exactly the same philosophy. Can you, do you apply it to humans? Do I apply it to humans? Uh, well, I think we all do. We all do to an extent. We're kind of unconsciously aware of the fact we're doing it, but we, you know, to, to, I don't know, to see, oh... You can't pick me up from somewhere. I'll buy you an ice cream. I mean, that is that is training. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Exactly. Um, can you work for me? I'll give you money. That's training. Positive reinforcement. We all do it, and we're all quite aware of it. Yeah. It, it, again, the only reason we do things is for motivation. So, so it's I ask people definitely motivate each other to do things. I suppose come to think of it, so we're obviously serving dinner every evening for some guests. Yeah. You need the guests to come to the table. <laughs> you put some yeah. food down, yeah, and the exactly. people come to it. Yeah, yeah. You train the behaviour of people sitting at the table by giving them food. I mean, this is a, is this where you got this idea? We have dinner, and then we need to get everybody off the table so we can clear it Precisely. and put them into the and so when we bring them coffee, we put it on a different table. Which gets them off the main table. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and after a while, you just say coffee, and they all just leave. They all just leave, and they sit next to that table waiting. So, yeah, that's that's training. Okay. <laughs> it's best not to mention that for the guests. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's nice to have some trained guests. <laughs> That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, we're working what on a, the current group, but they'll get what it. What a star to hitch our wagon to there. We have someone <laughs> on our show who was in fucking Star Wars. This is going to take us to the next level here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe. Unbelievable. I'll confirm what it. What a job as well. What a job. I know, it's Training amazing. squirrels. Yeah. But this is the whole thing, like, because uh, Hamish is an old friend of Sally's, uh, which is how we got this job. Oh, right. And uh, Sally would always say, she was always like, yeah, my friend worked on Harry Potter. He trained a frog once. I was like, no. No, you, that, you're just <laughs> lying to me. You're just telling me lies. But now you talk to him and he's like, if you asked him, like, can you train a frog? He's like, yeah, yeah, of course you can. Like, you just put it over there, or you give it some food. Like, you train a frog, no problems. It's funny the like the different rates of like saying, oh, that's really trainable. So the dog, you can train it in a day. The owl takes months and months. I would have never even thought that something like a frog or a squirrel would even be possible. Yeah, but I guess it is like he's saying, just put food in the right place, put motivation in the right place. <laughs> yeah. Also, sorry, I got really distracted by his name. So his name is what? Hamish Secret. Yeah, isn't it with two T's? But yeah, that is his name as well. Hamish Secret. Uh, because obviously my lazy TV executive impulse started uh, okay. firing. Here off. we go. Here we go. Like, like. So Hamish, Hamish Secrets' aim is secrets. Uh, so. Uh, and which is true because he kept <laughs> like the secret of the Star Wars. So yeah. that's just like his story. 
right? Hamish Secrets' aim is secrets because he was legally binded to keep that <laughs> as a secret. And yeah. he kept that aim because he only did this interview with you after the film came out. Yeah. Amish Secrets, Hamish, Ham, uh, famous owl trainer, goes to Pennsylvania to find out the secrets of uh the amish using uh clandestine approaches with trained animals to go into their barns because you know like a little squirrel in a barn the amish people aren't gonna say boo to a suited goose (laughs) i think uh i think that's a really good show that trained trained owls and squirrels to spy on the amish with hamish secrets amish secrets with hamish secrets Boo to a suit of goose. That was good, wasn't it? That I like that. Sorry. I'll pitch it to him later. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. Fantastic. So. I can't believe that that's a job and that you uh, have access to that person every day of your life at the moment. Yeah. I'd be talking to him constantly about that. <laughs> it's like, oh, hey, we sh- like, uh, should we get some more plates out for the next course? It's like, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, but if you've got a hawk, like, how do you not get your arm crushed all the time? But like, has he ever had to train? Um, <laughs> whatever, has he ever whatever had to you train, say, like, he's gonna say probably yeah, <laughs> or someone he knows will have. But I'm just thinking, like, uh, making two diametrically opposed species interact, like making a squirrel ride a horse, a rabbit hold an accounting meeting uh, with a frog. <laughs> I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. could they? But he was—he was telling me a story about how. Um, oh, he trained, or their company trained the mongoose at the start of the of Casino Royale, the James Bond movie, where it fights a snake or something. I guess they probably trained the snake as well. <laughs> but uh, that was done using. Did they train the snake to die? No. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I asked. But I think they shot them separately and then used some clever <laughs> camera trickery to. Can you imagine that? Like the like the death scene training for the snake exactly, like the snake yeah, yeah. clutches its heart with its tail or something uh, 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 does like really overdramatic <laughs> oh come on snake you're hamming that up there i want a real natural death <laughs> So this uh, dispatch is a short musical piece about contactless card payments, which is a new thing that people do all the time now, and how it's uh, slightly different from the old mobile chip and pin handsets that you used to get in the pub, uh, where the card would thrust itself into the open slot of the machine, which is all very indicative of an aggressive masculine gender bias in our culture. <laughs> um <laughs> All right, and uh, <laughs> you read too much of the Guardian, Chris. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the contactless transaction, though, is is while while reminding one of a mating ritual, uh, is is a lot more equal. Have you ever actually seen someone like it's like putting two palms together across a divide? You know, over a bar, like one side of the bar, someone's ordering, and I just feel it's a bit more gender neutral. Uh, so. This song, Samuel Bradley, is called Gender Neutral Transaction. This contactless card payment system is Turning purchasing into a gentle kiss 
It was so much more aggressive before Now it's neutral and progressive The thrusting's no more Now when you hand over virtual dough The card greets the reader like an Eskimo It was so much more aggressive before Now it's neutral and progressive The thrusting's no Very nice, Chris. Did you hear that then? Yeah, yeah. It was nice. Yeah. You seem to be able to very quickly write these very nice songs about whatever you want. Uh, Well, yeah, just give me... Well, apparently not about Rust. <laughs> Couldn't have one for Rust, <laughs> but, you know, a short shit. Though mainstream, certainly mainstream poem, that was, wasn't it? Kind of crap. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was a short song about gender-neutral transactions. I was really proud of the line. Um, uh, now, when you hand over virtual dough, the card greets the reader like an Eskimo. Because you know how they do the nose greeting. Okay. <laughs> oh, so it's a, yeah. Sorry, that wasn't as good as I thought it was. Then maybe. <laughs> no, it's just like what it's like cold. Well, because I'd said kiss before, hadn't yeah, I, in the yeah, first yeah, verse? Yeah. And then, okay. All right. I just, I just, no, assumed, I'm just that the, I'm I, assumed that the listener had some kind of memory and intellect. <laughs> yeah, clearly I'm a bit slow right now. Oh, we've been recording for ages. <laughs> yeah, we have. Well, you see, just as predicted as well, you know, say we've been recording for ages. Uh, my computer is dying. <laughs> like, <laughs> increasingly, you are so muffled on this Skype screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. And I'm kind of getting some of the words, but that's fine. We've Great. got to the end now. So We've got to fine. the end. We've done it. Yeah. The, there's a huge question as to whether this is recorded. So if it has recorded, <laughs> uh, I guess you have enjoyed dispatches from the communal bathroom episode 15 if it hasn't recorded well chris and i have enjoyed it <laughs> yeah we had a lot of fun my question to you is sam uh season two season two opener mainstream sleek snappy one for the kids people will really enjoy this a really really good accessible yeah uh, podcast right so let's go through what what, what was accessible <laughs> this podcast <laughs> what have we learned what have we learned in this podcast well I think I've learned that we have some sort of transcontinental synergy and uh, Sheffield has a certain droning characteristic, whereas the alpine nature of Savoy has a very crisp, clean feel about it. I just don't think we're capable of doing mainstream. I think that's what I've learned. <laughs> like, it's good to get the interview with the guy from Star Wars. I think that's how I'm going to refer him to him as, is uh, the guy from Star Wars. So it's it could be Harrison Ford for <laughs> Potentially. All anybody knows, you know. Yeah, all right, yeah, 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 okay. Oh, yeah, we had the guy from Star Wars on the other day. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Trained the geese, didn't he? <laughs> 
to. Potentially might be in the first scene <laughs> somewhere. With that man from Star Wars. Amazing. What a guest. And the lady from uh, Australia. Like, fabulous. It's been a great episode, Chris. Let's not. It's been a mad one. Bush. I, should, we, should we stop recording now so we don't lose it? <laughs> yeah, we should definitely. Thank you to Hamish Secret, who I interviewed. Uh, very kindly gave me some of his time. And thank you very much to Laura Sullivan, who submitted her dispatch all the way from Australia. Follow her on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you to the fabulous people of Microsoft for inventing the program Songsmith. And <laughs> uh, thank you to you bathers for listening. Uh, and thanks, Chris. Somehow this seems to have worked so far. So far, we haven't pressed stop yet, so there's no knowing what's been recorded. <laughs> no, no. Okay, well, join us next time in the virtual bathroom. Uh, housekeeping is probably going to come in and clean up the mess that we've done. Oh, that's good. Uh, so they'll take care of uh, all the contacts and that kind of thing. Chris, it's been uh, fabulous. It's been a pleasure. And, uh, it's as been a virtual here, pleasure. I didn't need to do the voice. We are actually just communicating normally. It's been a vir- I'm waving my hand. A virtual in the pleasure. It's been a virtual pleasure. All right. Thanks, All right. babies. Bye. Don't forget to wash behind your ears. Housekeeping. Hey, up. What's this place? A virtual bathroom? Never seen one of these before. How do you even bloody clean it? They've left the marks running. Hello, bathers, and welcome to Housekeeping Radio for all your podcast cleanup needs. You know what I always look forward to? A squeaky clean brand new year! But you know what you can do with your new year? Clean up your life, it's a bloody mess! But don't worry, you don't have to do it alone. Housekeeping is here to help. Now, been in toilets all day, I read a lot of magazines, but New Year ideas in magazines are no better than those scrolled on the toilet walls. So throw out those filthy rags and listen to my New Year's resolutions. First of all, you need to get out more and be more social on social media by liking the guys on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash communal bathroom. Big thumbs up! You should also be following them on Twitter, at Communal Bath. Now, you need some more beauty in your life. And one place I like to find that is on Sam and Chris's Instagrams. At SR Bradley for beautiful mountaintop sunsets. And at Sparantrolly for photos of office plants that just melt my cares away. You also should be connecting more with your friends in person. Remember Dave? Or Tim? Oh, Jenny? When was the last time you gave them a call, eh? You need to call them up and be like, Eh, ah, Jen, I've heard of this great new podcast, and you can listen to it too, on soundcloud.com forward slash communal half and bathroom. Finally, we all need to embrace our creative spirit. Stop consuming, and get out there and make something other than a bloody mess of yourself. And send it in for everyone to enjoy at communalbathroom at gmail.com. And if you really need to clean up your life, just clean your bathroom. But remember what I always say, blue for your loo, pink for your sink. See you all next year, bathers. We're out